You are now listening to the Wiser Words podcast. So, hey guys, I'm here with Jason Mezout, founder of Resonant and design partner at Group of Humans. Jason's been in the UX industry for about 20 years, and today I finally get to have a conversation. I've been chasing this guy for about three years since I joined the recruiting industry. So, hey Jason, how you doing? I'm all right. I don't run that fast, but yeah. maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm good. Good today. Bit crazy, but it, all good. Good stuff. Yeah, so today I just want to have a good conversation around diversity within design. Um, and also design leadership, and is there a lack of design leadership within the UK, and what can we do about it? Um, but to start with, diversity, obviously a massive issue, um, a lot of talking points, a lot of opinions. What I wanted to ask you first, and then we'll get, we'll get to, to get this flowing, was when scaling the team, because obviously you've scaled multiple teams, um, large teams like that, how do you build a team based around diversity? Well. I guess I always try to focus on what the need is for the organization that I'm working within. And the need within that organization is often dependent on the people that already work within the team, for example. So you ideally want to try and find people who complement the others. Um, as a believer of uh, creative friction, that means that I will often get people who overlap quite a lot to some extent sure. but there'll be differences as well and that I think that breeds the right kind of thinking for a lot of the work that we have to do where we have to think round corners and come up with multiple solutions to the same sorts of problems so I guess that when I hear that the terms around sort of thinking around design diversity I, I think more about the the thinking styles more about the different skills that they have rather than the color of their skin and you know whether they're uh, bi, lesbian, gay, hetero, whatever. I, I sure. It's weird because I don't think that that's, that sort of thing has ever really factored into me. I mean, I do, I have sometimes tried to kind of more proactively hire more women into a team, yeah. um, but uh, partly just, to, I don't know, I don't know what that was. I'd really like to kind of reflect on my, why I would do that, what, what it is yeah. around doing that, that would give the benefit to the design team. Yeah. So in terms of like thinking then, how, how do you mean? So is it different? way like different methodologies different approach to design different backgrounds in terms of you know they come from a course they come from university yeah so um a lot of those different things so for one um I, i've probably been criticized in the past and I, I had design training industrial design training which in some colleges is is one of the more rigorous design practices yeah, you, you you could imagine um, and I wasn't very good at making things, by the way. Like, I mean, I'd stick myself to the table, all sorts of things. So digital design is perfect for me. Yeah. <laughs> I can kind of do a lot of corrections and undoes. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I have always been a bit biased towards people with design training, specifically industrial design training and also architecture training. Um, but I've also worked with people who've been amazing designers and coming back from all sorts of backgrounds, from psychology to English backgrounds, sociology, whatever. I think... It depends on the, the task, and, and I, I believe in some respects to kind of have people who uh, can think more creatively and understand the, the difficulties in kind of going with your first ideas. I think design training helps with that a bit more. Sure. Okay, so say you go into a company, at, they've got two perm UXs, they've got a few in the design team. You, you've come in as head of design, head of UX, which you've done in the past. Mm. How would you advise a company to then scale a team up to, say, 10 to 15 people based around diversity? So you've got, say, for example, you've got two people. One comes from a UX boot camp. One comes from 
a UCL Masters in <laughs> HCI, how would you go about it? Is it a bit obviously it's depending on the product that they work on, right? So I mean, I, th I think first of all, um, <laughs> neither of those backgrounds I would have been happy with to kind of land the team in, so I probably wouldn't have joined that organisation. Okay. But, but I would have been, okay. no, I, I may have been more open wow. to it if I'd met them. Yeah, so, sure, uh, sure, sure. But like, no, I know I should, I should unpack that a little bit maybe later. But yeah. um, but actually, what I would want to do is try to kind of hire some sort of uh, mid to senior level within that, a lead yeah. level, because. You know, as much as I may be being reflective over past experiences, as much as I think I could probably do it all myself, I, mm -hmm. I, I realise quite a lot of the time that, you know, I just don't have the enough of me to, you know, grow the team, hire, uh, you know, win the work. I've mostly been consultancies, run the work, run client engagements, you know, it, there's a lot to do. So I would want to have some support in doing that. Um, and, and and also with, with that sort of background of individuals, they're probably lacking a little bit of the commercial experience. Yeah. And so they need to have those people on hand to go, yeah, okay, I get that that's a really good uh, uh, approach to use center design. But given this situ situation, I think we can still get some research in if we if we take it from yeah. this perspective. And I think there's, there's, there's a lot to be said for experience to be able to learn how to kind of cut the right corners, is something I always talk about. Because um, in what sense? Sorry. Well, so for example, like a lot of the time uh, in our industry is, you know, we talked about kind of getting research in, and mm -hmm. ever since I was at Flow Interactive, I've always done user research on any yeah. projects that I've been involved with. Um, I've just found a way to, to to get it in, and people always say, "Oh, you're lucky to be able to kind of do that and have the time for the research." And I go, "Well, no, I just I just found a way, and I, I have enough belief in it. I have enough understanding and breadth of understanding to go. You know what?" Because we only need to learn this, we only need to do this type of research and be able to, to kind of cut the cloth to suit. Okay. Do you think in this, uh, especially in this day and age where a lot of people go talk about research being like the pinnacle and you've got to do an absolute detailed research piece, hearing that from a very senior pr practitioner be like, oh, how can you do that? How can you just base your, like it's not assumptions, but cut research. That's like a swear word to some people. Yeah, people do cut, you know, but people yeah. usually cut research out. I try to, to kind of ingrain it. Yeah. Like ingrain do. the practice. The, the problem is with, and, I, and I've been a big research advocate mm. and I've just done pure research projects, but, but unless the research is applied into some sort mm. of modeling, framework development, solution design, yeah. it's kind of useless to everyone, right? Yeah, for sure. Getting an understanding, you know, doing your reports. If you don't translate it in the right ways, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and one of the tendencies I've found in the past with some researchers is they they treat a lot of the people as sort of subjects um, and yeah. uh, and get really into them yeah. rather than uh, the subject being the client or the business's need, right, to solve their problems. And this is the problem is like, you know, we're not necessarily paid as researchers to help society. We're helped to solve, solve problems for our clients. And that's a particular way I think about design generally anyway. So... It's got to have some applicability to the problem, and you've got to find ways to to do what you can to learn what you need to kind of advance you. Now, I do think that some people get locked to designers, UX people specifically, say, well, I need to kind of understand this for a long period yeah. of time. It's going to do you. It's like mm -hmm. sometimes it can be better to kind of make something to then learn with that, and yeah. that can get more people on board. But this is, this is another topic for another podcast, mm -hmm. but... Um, with the surge in UX boot camps and learning an absolute strict process, end-to-end -end product design process, mm. you know, 
when they when these people then go into real real life business situations and the budgets are that there's hardly any budget or there's more budget they they struggle so do you think I just really quickly on this because obviously it's not actually about this podcast isn't about this purely but do you think they should be learning business skills and business acumen as well as UX and hard skills because essentially we're the design industry is business and user design. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a good question. My first thought is no, because that's they're already trying to learn too much anyway, mm-hmm. and to practice that as well is another edge. Do I think that we should be trying to equip people with those skills? Absolutely. I just think that it's hard to do in the abstract. Okay. So it'd be better to do in yep. learning. You have to do it through commercial Sure. Learning. This goes on to my next point, because in terms of when you are a design leader within an organisation, these people will know when to cut research, they'll know when to, they can get away with certain things. Do UX managers necessarily know? So what I mean by that is, is there a lack of design leadership within the UK at the moment? Or is there, and is there too many UX managers, which, is, which are paid pushers, which are just team managers? Uh, so the management and leaders, labels kind of get mixed up quite a lot so mm. some some people see management as kind of just the, the pushing some people see it as the paper pushing some people see it as the the human management aspect um and then then there's and then but then some of those things can be attributed to a design leader in some ways mm. but some people associate leadership with the steve Jobs style um autocratic leadership mm-hmm. and you know very uh, visionary forthright um and antagonistic, maybe. Yeah. Uh, the, beyond the labels, I, I try to kind of go a level beneath a lot of this stuff in UX generally and leadership. And so I've kind of developed a bit of a framework with uh, Martina Hodges-Shell at Pivotal, and we were thinking about design leadership. And then management is that there's an aspect of it is a vision and strategy and reporting on what you're doing. There's an aspect of it is commun- doing stuff in the community. An aspect of it is the team and the management there. An aspect of it is the quality, the strategic quality and the solution quality of the, the work that's being done. Some of it is about the practice of the team, like the methods, the design systems, and all that sort of stuff. Some of it's about collaboration with others. Some of it's about building capabilities in an organization you know the design thinking stuff or beyond that just building skills across the organization and the other is like selling within the organization right so there's like six or eight different dimensions Mm -hmm. that we use to kind of track like the efforts of a design leader and very rarely is any one person able to do all those sorts of things very well so you kind of like have different shapes of people do different parts and this is similar to other things i do around ux skills and and so you do get some of those managers who understand that and think about they're all people organized or they might be more operationally focused right um it depends on the backgrounds whether they understand research enough to kind of be able to cut those corners I think that the design leader with, with a bit of research background might not get it either. Yeah. But, the, but the person at the top might dictate how strongly the organisation follows a research approach. So, for example, one of my clients at the moment, um, she's a big advocate of research. So research is embedded in everything they do. And when they hire anyone, if you're not strong in research, you're not a good UXer for the team. But they haven't had um, dedicated researchers for a while. So I don't know if that answers your question. I think it, it, there's a complexity between managers in a team and yeah. the, the overall head of leader, VP, chief designer, yeah. whatever that, that is, to to kind of be accustomed to the what's the spirit of design within the organisation. Yeah. And that depends on maybe aspects of the level of uh, maturity they are as an organisation, but the level of maturity of the product or service. 
So if you're trying to do really inventive new things, that will change the effect. Like research is really important to kind of understand and discover new opportunities and frame those strategically. When you're in an optimization mode, you might be more focused on kind of you know usability type optimization type stuff, and, and yeah. that will affect the mode you're thinking and affect the, the appropriate form of design leadership. Sure. So, with your experience globally consulting with clients in the UK, do you think there is less leaders per se, or then say the US or Australia? Well, and how can we get more? How can we? Uh, the main question here, I think, is how do you get someone that's at senior lead level? to that head of design leader level? Well, so one one thing with that is that because the attributes of a leader are often seen as being quite outward and outgoing, doing mm. more of the selling parts of things, that's where, you know, largely Americans who are louder yeah. and more confident because of the way they brought up in schools and other things like yeah. that, um, they, they, they may be more present in the and industry. And everyone's a VP. If he wants a VP, well, you know, we don't have many here except for like Americanizing companies that yeah. tend to bring on that. I don't still don't know what it means really. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think it's just, you, you, well, I mean, I was, I was lucky slash unlucky enough to kind of have the opportunities thrusted upon me because there yeah. was a need to support and drive projects. So project yeah. leadership. So, mm -hmm. you know, having enough experience to make the judgment calls and resource the projects, mm -hmm. you were trying to kind of align lots of things but probably be still fairly hands-on mm. and then off the back of that like people gave me more responsibility to line manage and, and I didn't know what I was doing yeah and so I think you rightfully posted some stuff around this around the lack of mentoring absolutely yes for sure yeah. we don't really know how to mentor we don't know how to coach yeah. um I only got a coach last year it's been super valuable okay. to me wow. I've started to kind of more officially mentor people and that's really interesting as a learning process for me yeah but we, we don't know how to do it. We, we put people in these positions and we don't support them in running them in that position. Yeah. So how, how do you think we can get access to more mentors? Well, the difficult, and, yeah. And sorry, is there enough people to actually legitimately I think there be is. a mentor? I think there is. It's just about getting their motivations to do so. Because I think part of the problem with uh, the people that are available who have the skills and capabilities, they're often silent, not present. Um, you might not have ever heard of them, or you might have done because you've hired for them, right? Yeah. But they're not present in the community so much. Mm -hmm. So a lot of design leaders, really skilled people, have zero presence in the community. Mm -hmm. So you might not have heard of them. They might don't post on LinkedIn, Twitter, run events or do whatever and out there, like yeah. I do, for example. Yeah. Um, and and but that doesn't make them any less good, right? They Absolutely. just they just have a more balanced life. They probably yeah. have a happier life than I do. Like yeah. you know, they they probably go home to have their their families. Well, they yeah. deal with the politics or whatever. Um, so I guess it's just really around. That's a great point. In terms of mentor for, from someone like that, the difficult thing is they probably got their teams to mentor as well as part of their job. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to get into that that space? Now, one thing I was. I learned through doing the coaching was that me paying for the coaching made me feel more accountable to that individual. Yeah. So I charge for mentoring. Okay. And it, it doesn't it, it doesn't compensate me enough as about compared to the amount of time I lose by by doing that work. Sure. But it creates a different dynamic. Yeah. Right. So like, and I've mentored people informally before throughout my career, and I often meet and chat to people all the time who want to seek my counsel. Mm -hmm. But like when it comes to kind of a mentoring ongoing conversation, I think it's really important that it's someone you don't know and that it's someone that there's, there's, there's got to be a two-way gain to some extent and not necessarily financial, but you've got to kind of connect with that person yeah. and see future in them. So what have you got out of mentoring other people then? Well, because... Both informally and more sort of paid, formal level. I don't know. Like, I mean, I... 
so I've because I've liked uh, and I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I I liked bizarrely hearing about people's struggles and challenges okay. and be able to listen to them, and for once in my life, not have to say anything. Okay. Not have to yeah. say much, and when I do, just it be useful. Yeah. Deep listening. Deep listening, yeah. Active deep listening. And for people just to share, because it's so valuable. And that's one of the biggest things. That's where it becomes quite close to coaching, except mm. that I will advise, I will give recommendations, whereas a coach wouldn't. Yeah. But I, I just I just generally like helping people who I can see a future yeah. with potential with. Um, and that could be anyone. And there's something about that person that I'd be just like, there's something interesting there, their background yeah. or something else. So I had a few people just approach me and they, just the way they approached me was just like, okay, you're, you're obviously on it. I like that. I appreciate sure. that. And then they do great things and maybe I'll get a chance to work with them in the future. Maybe they'll introduce me to other like minds. Yeah. I, like, I've I, I got to think that there's got to be some form of personal gain. I don't do it completely altruistically, but it might be down the line. But, but, but also I do, I do get a personal kick from from helping bizarrely and and that's why i do things like ixda as well i yeah. mean the selfish gains there but like it, i it's someone said to me like because when i said oh, i don't feel like i'm a design leader anymore i feel like i'm an imposter they said but you are a design leader you're doing this all the time you're doing this for the community i go well, okay well yeah was, no one's ever framed it like that yeah for so, sure so going back to my point about ux managers and ux leaders mm. or design leaders what do you think the key the key difference with those two is is the mentoring, is being able to motivate and, and really get people working for them and actually being able to better that person's skills. I mean, there's a, if we separate out the inspiration, motivation and the line management, then they're, mm. they're sort of slightly different things. Yeah. So um, it's quite hard if, if you are one of those people that's seen as the inspiring visionary mm. to then line manage someone else who is nowhere yeah. near that because when you're having the conversation they, they can kind of feel intimidated they go well they, i can't do what you do or whatever else like that they don't realize sort of your own struggles to doing that so that's quite difficult but you know I've, I've consistently said that you know to some extent line management doesn't necessarily have to be attributed to you know skill craft level experience in that particular domain you could be line managed by a bunch of people if you've good line management but that's not always the that's not always the way it turns out. So usually yeah. it's kind of done by, by people being promoted into it. Yeah. Design leaders, like, you know, people who will be out there, the, the typical design leader, I should say, mm. out there kind of selling, doing their stuff, being all visionary, I guess typically they don't necessarily have much time for that, for those to just manage their careers and spend the right time with them. I mean, they're, yeah. they're out there inspiring sure. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your opinion on... Um, managers or uh, head of UXs that come that aren't from a UX background I can I'm not obviously not going to name names not at all but there's loads of people who are head offs and they just haven't got a design or UX background in mm. terms of like practitioner level mm. like hands on it, de it depends what they're being asked to do and depends how the lower rungs support them on um, that it's like UX is like a bolt-on they're like <laughs> normally they're like head of marketing and UX oh right okay. it's like oh okay that's that's slightly this, different. Yeah, but because when we were chatting before about it, mm. um, to some extent, I'm a supporter of someone who's a great manager being put into that role, mm. if they appreciate design and UX. Okay. The, the particular 
diversity, yeah. differences, sensitivities of that, yeah. that market, um, those types of people, if they understand that then and they're good managers, then great. I don't, I should, don't sure. think you need to have a design background. Yeah. If you're selling design, I think it's hard for you to be able to do that. Yeah, I suppose it's like football, isn't it? When you've got a football manager who hasn't played. Yeah, yeah. But player you know, coach. Jose Mourinho, like one of the best in the world. So, yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, so I noticed recently the BBC have brought out a chief design officer role. Now, I don't see many chief design officer roles in the UK at all. So do you see the chief design officer role per se being like the next buzzword and the next big thing within, uh, within design? It could be. I think that it's one solution to a, a general problem around recognition, uh, appreciation of what design offers an organisation. I don't think it's the right solution. Okay. Partly because I don't see how we need we need more title inflation. Um, we need we need somewhere for the design designers to kind of like grow into because mm. they're certainly in the UK maybe playing to that point. There is a bit of a lower glass ceiling than it seems elsewhere. I've I've certainly found it difficult to get the right kind of role for myself over the years. Um, but I don't think being a uh, the executive officer necessarily helps in that sense. So, like, um, I I don't believe those people are in the boardroom all the time. If they are, if they do have those titles, I don't believe that they would want to be. If if they were, I don't believe it. It makes a big difference to designs recognition if they were. Maybe having some representation and understanding and appreciation at that level could help. Um, but that could be done through the COO, CMO, yeah. CTO, all those sorts of things. It should be amongst all of them. Design yeah. should be understood amongst all of those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And it would be our failing of design to think that it needed to be kind of attributed to a role. Yeah. Okay. I think, personally. Okay. But, uh, you know, I know others don't, don't and, you know, yeah. So how high do you think you can get into a, in, in a company in design then? So like, yeah, where is question. the ceiling of a UX, a UXer? So someone that's watched, so someone that's listening to this podcast, they could be a chief executive officer. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you, you sure. could cut through it. You could be yeah, like, if you're yeah. a really good service designer, you could end up at the COO, right? Yeah, yeah. You could end I up suppose. at the CEO. You know, and there, there have suppose. been some very few examples. Airbnb doesn't really count. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. But like, you, but it, but what? We don't need to create a new role. We just designers themselves like any other human beings we can kind of shift into different career paths yeah. right there's a, there's a lot of overlap between product and and you yeah. know the UX industry at the moment and lots of a lacking in product mm. skills in product right and a, a, so a, a huge amount of product skills in UX yeah. um, so so that's so that's obviously a, a route for some people to go to and and people often talk about this notion of a career ladder mm -hmm. Now, ladders to me, this, as a metaphor, don't really work. Um, you go up, you go down, yeah. you fall off, right? Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. thinking about it more of as like as a mesh or as a net. You can kind of go across, down, up, and yeah. it's protected. You don't necessarily lose something. I think we need to be thinking more carefully about what the skills and capabilities that we're developing as designers and how they could be more transferable to other roles, right? Okay. And That's some of those are roles yeah. that are attributable to a, a CEO to yeah. some extent, or a marketing person, possibly in a new age of marketing. Mm -hmm. Possibly in operations, right? You know, all these things like depending on your your your, your uh, where you focus your efforts and what your skills are, you can, it's transferable. But I don't know. I don't know whether I. Yeah, I'm. I'm not constantly kind of thinking I have to be in the boardroom to yeah. be to be recognised and sure. successful in my life. So, do you think companies are 
not really keen on bringing people like a, like a chief designer of it, a chief designer of it. Words yeah. So do you not think that, that companies are keen on bringing like chief design officers in at that C-suite level? Do you think they're even bought into it? Is that, are they only From doing my initial research, that only seems like probably 10 genuine chief design officers in the world. And the majority of them are in the US. Mm. There's a couple here, Apple, BBC, yeah. obviously Lloyd's. Logitech. Um, yeah. You know, there's been various things. I mean, yeah, like... I don't know. I, I see it as um, what's the, what's the word? It's uh, it's more illustrative. It's more kind of making a statement than it is necessarily valuable. Yeah. Now, that might be important to kind of get it mm. recognised as a valuable thing. Sure. And so the other teams who are at lower levels have to listen. Yeah. Maybe. But again, it, it strikes me as the the wrong mechanism to do that. Like. Okay. Um, although I I believe in kind of you know, <laughs> to some extent people should follow at times um, some direction it's not very designerly to do that like being more collegiate and actually helping people appreciate the value of design of different of different types is kind of where we probably should be heading yeah. now how we diffuse design into an organization to do that or infuse it as, as jared spill would put it mm -hmm. i think is more interesting to me um unfortunately it's a bit of a more of a slog than just putting someone in yeah. into that someone who's like a kind of like visionary someone from the bay area bring them over yeah you know loud proud yeah. sorry dan break dancing yeah. machine you know like yeah, uh, yeah. you know doing the thing maybe maybe that is what you need but um for some organizations it, it, it kind of sits a bit counter yeah that, that does make sense. That makes sense. So where do you see the future of, of UX in, in an organisation? So it's been really interesting to see the amount of organisations investing in developing their own teams. Um, as a, a professional services kind of person all my life, um, I find it difficult to, to engage with uh, the idea that... that there wouldn't be consultancy and agency support yeah. for those organisations. I just think the model of what that offers yeah. is different. So many of the organisations I've seen um, offering services are doing stuff that helps support the design team itself and grow the design team mm -hmm. and build capabilities rather than do run projects for them. Yeah, sure. But, but maybe there's a different type of uh, projects that will support people and look ahead. I mean, the reality is, is that there's a lot of day-to-day -day and a lot of kind of evolutionary work that needs to happen with people who really understand the, the depths that yeah. getting third-party support won't easily help with and but then on the flip side maybe there's just different models of um, blending with with the teams like in my previous roles I've worked quite closely with organizations over a long period of time um, to build their team grow the team run the team yeah. and so I'd, I'd still see a sense of that that the weird thing is is that although in, in theory people are around more to see things through, people aren't staying in their jobs that long still, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so you might sure. as well have an agency consultancy, sure. you know. But that's that's an, that again. That's another problem for another. That's well, not a problem, but that's another topic. It's definitely speak a about, challenge for sure. You know, inflation of ego, inflation of yeah. pay. Let's talk about it, that one. Yeah, people. Well, what's your opinion on that? Because people are moving on so quickly nowadays. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm going to talk about agencies. So, agency. I've been working with agencies for a while, and. They're, the bread and butter of their roles is, you know, I want someone for 65 to 70K to basically come and do some UX deliverables for an e-commerce client. Why would someone stay in that role for a year to two, three years when they can just go and get 450, 500 doing exactly the same thing? Why would they do it? It's just crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah. I don't know. 
He was. So, well, so what's your opinion on how how can people keep good UX talent? Well, that that's the that's one of the biggest challenges, and one I've got some hypotheses, but. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficulty is you you are fighting this the title inflation as well as a salary inflation, okay. as well as a kind of a, like an anxiety that people aren't progressing in, in yeah. all those areas. Now, a lot of the work I've been doing around profiling designers and design teams demonstrates that people aren't really very aware of where they're strong and where they're weak. Um, in, in fact, where they've developed over time. Yeah, and I think what what to me my hypothesis is that people um, want to see sort of tangible progress mm-hmm. in yeah. their careers right sure. you want to know that what you're doing is contributing you're progressing in some ways yeah um but the frequency of what that progression is is realized and how that's realized and also how it's recognized um is is so insane right now that, that i think it's really problematic for anyone trying to build a team uh, and so i would try to kind of demonstrate to people through the work I've been doing, that people, you are you are developing, you are growing in lots of different areas, yeah. skills, capabilities, you're learning to be a better listener or you're learning to be um, a better person at motion graphics or prototyping or um, or improving your empathy or whatever. And, and if you could just demonstrate that to yourself and if you could learn from others and give to others, then I believe that you might want to stay in part of a team more. Yeah. And if you can create that culture of that learning and giving, I mean, and you I can feel progression, agree. then the, then then you you know you don't have to supplement it with the other stuff. Now the thing the thing is that people don't know how to do all those things. Yeah. So I've been trying to help people. Yeah. And and, and I think I've cracked some little nuggets of brilliance okay. amongst my work, which are, yeah. which I I've, I've been trying to share with 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 various things. And I don't think these things are that hard, mm. but they do require people to spend a bit of time with okay. their teams. Yeah. So. Does that go back to leadership, not yeah. managing? So what are those things? So, for example, do people want to have budget to go to conferences or is it I want to go and do a general assembly boot camp to improve certain areas? Or is it even learning other areas like product or UI or development to make them an all-rounded, better practitioner that's going to add more well, value? They want to, yeah, they want to learn all of, the, all of those mm. things and they think in those ways, like conferences or whatever. And what I've been trying to kind of educate people on is you don't need to do that. Okay. But, and I'm one of the biggest advocates of going to events and conferences. Yeah. As part of my learning, it's been really useful. But Well, you host one, so... Well, I host one, so, yeah. <laughs> but I've always been part of the community and I've, I've yeah. learned from that. It's kind of secondary learning in some ways. Um, but... It, the, the thing is what I've learned and I've do these exercises and we're through a lot of priming of different skill areas capabilities soft softer interpersonal skills mm. as well as the harder technical domain skills get people to identify where they want to grow and where they could develop others it's interesting what comes out of that because you realise that within the team if you've got, yeah. got any scale of team anything more than four or five you've got people in, in that team who could probably help you in the areas great that you point. want to grow That's and vice versa point. and if they can do that you've created a really strong yeah. bond in that team you've saved yourself budget Yeah. Um, and the things that people come up with in order to kind of train and okay. educate and develop people um, in the, I get them to develop these little cards and stuff um they're so pragmatic. Yeah. And to be honest, better than going to do a training course. Yeah. Better than going to hear a conference talk. they are actually things that you can do in your job and get mentoring. Mm. And and if people were doing that, they're doing yeah. some form of leadership. Yeah. Um, even if they're not yeah, seen yeah, as a yeah. leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a manager. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're you, don't sharing. Have, you don't need a title to be a leader. Absolutely. I mean, all the, the leadership things I, I referenced earlier, I've realised 
core of design ops. Yeah. They're a core of being a designer, to be honest. You can choose to be an advocate. You can choose to engage as a community. You can choose to, to kind of like in, yeah. improve the quality and practice. They're all things that aren't necessarily um, domains of a leader. They're just yeah. leadership things. And so, so yeah, this, this, this nugget of brilliance that, that came out of this work nice. um, has been really, really valuable, I think, as, as, a, as a model that you could learn within a team. And, and I came across this, this great thing as I was doing this. Mm. Um, from from Mind, a mental health charity, um, and they talk about the five ways of well-being. And um, one of them is about being physically active. My workshops get to be physically active, but it's not really yeah. the core of it. One of them is about connecting with others, other okay. humans, yeah. right? Other people in the organisation. The other is about being sort of mindful and reflective of the now, yeah. all the typical stuff, but but, but self-reflection as yeah. well, yeah, which yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. do enough of. Um, my workshops are all about that sort of type of stuff. Um, and then learning. Yep. and giving to others right so I just like thinking there's something in this that's yeah. like going so if you're feeling better and happier at work sure then you're more likely to stay you're not going to be like looking around sure. for the next role yeah. because people don't really want to leave an organization and the bond of a strong team is, is yeah. stronger than financial things a lot, as it? a recruiter it's um, the when people come to you and they want to leave the, the main problem is there's, there's two main problems it's micromanagement so <sighs> lack of leadership but also uh, culture. So they're not learning. Like the team is just like, there's lacking that cohesion. Um, and they are the main problems. No one really leaves because of the products they're working on. Or right. sometimes they legitimately do. They've been there for three or four years and they do need a new challenge to mm -hmm. you know, build more of a diverse portfolio. But that's, that's the most common. Uh, is the is the leadership lack of leadership and also opportunities to grow? Someone should have spotted that with that. Someone, should, yeah. someone, their manager and their leader, or yeah. you know whoever should have spotted that. Yeah, and that's not a UX or design problem. That's a simple managerial yeah. leadership problem. And it might be that they need do need to leave, but mm. often, most of the time, I, I think if I you know if you engage with some of these people, the, the conversations I'm often having with people, and 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 often off the back of these workshops and stuff like. People say, yeah, I need to kind of do this and yeah. grow in this area. I can't do that here. I was going, are you sure? Are you sure yeah. that you have to leave in order to develop in these areas? Yeah. Because leaving means you kind of, you, you might fix some of those problems, but you get a whole bunch of new ones yeah. when you go to a new organisation. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it maybe um, you can cut the cord and just go, look, I've had enough. I've got to get out. Yeah. I, I get that. I, I, I've happens. been close to that myself in the, in the past. I, um, sure. But like... If, if you think that there's an opportunity to be really clear with yourself around things in which you want to grow and develop and then think, right, is there no opportunity to do that here? Yeah. Um, and, and, and you should be able to voice that with your, yeah, with yeah. your manager first, right? And if you don't have that conversation, then you, you're, not, you're not being trustworthy to them yeah. as well for them yeah. to be trusting to you, right? You know, yeah, it kind of goes a bit both ways. Yeah, I fully agree. So um, that's a wrap because I, I know you're a very busy man. I haven't got you for very long. Um, but yeah, so where can people find your work and where are you going to be next? So uh, I'm, I, I'm trying not to do much public speaking because because yeah. it's, it's very stressful to do it, anxiety <laughs> building, and yeah. I, I can do it, but um, I'm trying to do it less. So I'm trying to write more, but I'm not okay. a great writer. So catch me on medium.com slash... I think it's at Jason Masut or however they structure it. But you'll find my details and um, probably in the details of the podcast. I'm trying to write a bit more and uh, I publish on slideshare.net slash Jason Masut and um, see various presentations there. Awesome. And ISDA London.
Yes, that's an important one. So uh, monthly events, usually have last Wednesday of every month, we cover how interaction design touches on uh, different disciplines, different subject area, different sectors, all sorts of things. See you there.